Yeah, those superstars generally seem to be really nice people. Like Larry Elmore, he was so nice. I got to hang out with him like all the time during the Illustrators and Writers of the Future event. Yeah, a lot of people are really, you, you know, that you, I, I, in the first convention I ever spoke at was a local convention here in San Diego, and I was sit, seated, I was scared to death because I had never spoken in public, like, in, like an quote-unquote expert, um, and I was seated next to uh, Larry Niven. And he was a great science fiction writer. And uh, so here I am with a real science fiction writer. And I am someone who wrote my first time travel book. And I'm seated next to someone who's written zillions of books. And I'm scared out of my mind. And I actually just tell him it. I said, this is my first convention. I wrote my first book. And I'm really nervous. And he goes, oh, just lean back and have fun. Don't worry about anybody's opinion but your own. <laughs> uh -huh. He was oh. so nice. Yeah, that's what you learn about people who are really successful, that, you know, most of them are just really nice people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, But, yeah, so that was my... It wasn't the first time I met. I, I I had gone to signings and stuff, so I met famous authors, but it's the first time I sat next to one and had a conversation. <laughs> yeah, I had a similar situation with Larry. After he finished his talk, I kind of waited after the end when everyone was done talking to him. And we just ended up having a conversation and invited him out to lunch, and we went and got lunch together. That's cool. So I was just around, hanging out with Larry talking to him and he was telling me all about his life and we were sharing a bunch of stories and having some drinks together lunch it was just it was really nice he's like a sweet old art grandpa he's he loves to just tell all these amazing stories about when he was younger I like that I love I uh, one thing you've got to learn is that when somebody's telling you a story listen don't think, oh, it's just an old codger telling a story. No, no. If they're telling you a story, that's good. That increases your knowledge of the world. Always listen to someone who, especially if it's someone in the same profession as you want to go into, uh, telling you stories. That's like, that's gold. There's nothing that even compares to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just, uh, yeah. Um, there, it, it's it. I I've been lucky. I've met some really interesting people, and w I, one of the things is that when they tell you stuff, it opens vistas and doors that you just didn't even know about. It's a good thing. You, you it's good that you do that. You keep doing that. <laughs> um. do that you just like open the door and they'll walk in 
<laughs> Most people that are like that have lots of great stories. It doesn't matter, you know, if they're an artist or a writer or an actor or a director. Most people have stories. You know, it just it's part of, uh, you know, especially if they've been around for a while, you want to hear them. It's a great thing. That's why conventions are so cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I remember I was at a convention one time and I forgot my phone charger so I was just kind of left without any way to communicate people or get like a, an Uber to get back home I ended up sitting next to this guy who was like alone like at his booth I think he was selling like photography or something and I ended up having this long conversation with him because you know out of necessity like first of all he's letting me borrow his charger and also we were both there and I didn't want to just make it awkward just me sitting next to him so he, I started opening up a dialogue and I figured out the whole like scope of this guy's life and what he's been going through and he told me about like being raised by like some sort of cult and having his daughter taken from him oh i was like what the heck like this guy's entire life story like i'm sure he was waiting for somebody to tell that to he's probably had that on his mind forever and it's just like i was the one that was there to open that door for him and give him like an outlet for this story I mean, it made an impact on me. Like, I remembered it for the rest of my life. I'm still going to remember it for the rest of my life. Of course. Like, his story has become, like, one of my stories now. Well, that's what happens with stories. And, and and it's just like one of the people I was working on a panel with was um, a Star Trek legend named D.C. Fontana. Her name's Dorothy Fontana. She worked on Classic Trek and Next Generation, and she worked on the animated series, and she was just this great writer. And we were both on this panel, and we both got there early, um, like 10 minutes early, and the room was empty, and so we just started talking. And she was telling me all these amazing things. I telling her how, how honored I was to be on the same panel with her and how nervous I am just being on the same panel with her. And she said, oh, you don't have to be nervous about me. And we just started talking. She was just amazing, just adorable. Uh, just And she's one of my heroes, you know, a woman who was a screenwriter in the 60s. Yeah. There's like you can count on one hand how many people like that there were. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's important that that you listen to stories. You never know. You never know who. You don't know who you're sitting next to. You don't know who that man was. He, he could be somebody amazing. You know. Yeah. It's just one of those amazing it's just when you go to a restaurant and uh, and there's no place to sit and you see somebody sitting by themselves and you ask can I you know sit across from you um, and nine times out of ten they'll say yes and then you can have a conversation with that person it was it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really incredible. 
I mean, I don't know if you can do that now because of the pa after the pandemic and everything, but it used to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, it's cooling down now, and people are more willing to, you know, be like how you said, they're willing to open up and, like, share their space with you and that sort of thing. I think it's just gotten a lot better than where it was, like, last year or the year before. Like, the wounds are mending. COVID's kind of like the common cold now, like, at this point, I've had it twice. The first time, it was terrible and it was awful. And the second time, it just felt like a little less bad than the common cold. Less bad than the common cold? Yeah, it was like a tiny bit of a sore throat and then, you know, like a little bit of coughing. And then, you know, that's it. I was able to do my work and everything through it. Well, I mean, really, what people don't really, it's the flu. It's just a really mm -hmm. bad strain of the flu. That's what it is. <laughs> that, you know, yeah. it, it's like the Spanish flu. The Spanish flu became the flu. The Spanish flu killed a lot of people before it became the regular flu. And still, flu can kill people, too. It depends on what health you are and stuff. People don't realize how vulnerable the human body is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there have been a few positive things that came out of COVID, like people wearing masks if they are sick. I think that's something that should have been in place a long time ago. And also normalizing staying home if you're sick so that you don't infect other people. Like, I don't even understand, like, before COVID, why people were going out and doing stuff or going, like, to their work, like, in person while they're sick, like, while they have the flu. Like, they're just going to make everyone else sick and ruin everyone else's work. I agree, but the problem was that if you were sick, you only had a certain amount of days off. And yeah. that really is corporate... Uh, problem with corporate structure um, they should have had something set that if you're sick you stay home and you can work from home and you can still get paid and you don't lose your job because you have too many sick days I actually got fired because I had too many sick days once um, yeah um, it was it was I had a serious illness and yeah I got fired because I had too many sick days from the serious illness. Um, nice people, huh? <laughs> awful. What the heck? How could how could they do that? It's just so cruel. It's like they don't even look at you as a person. They just kind of see that you're not quote unquote contributing enough, which you probably were contributing plenty and they just saw the sick days and saw the number and said, This number isn't what we like to see and they got rid of you. Yep. It's terrible. It is. It's not fair. So that there's a structure now where you can still be paid, you can still work from home. That's good. That's the only good thing so far that I've seen. <laughs> because, like I said, I've been a victim of it. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope that everything gets good. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, do you have a favorite artist? Do you have like a classic artist or um, oh, a painter? A or? I think if I asked you if you had a favorite writer, you'd probably give me a number of writers for every genre, right? 
Probably, yeah. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. You can give me the number of artists from Serena. we got lots of time. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I love over these artists. I love so many of these guys. Like, John Singer Sargent is, like, a great classic artist. Um, Freaking, like, actual, like, modern artists that are, like, really good. I'm not talking modern as in, like, people that put shapes on a canvas. I'm talking about actual, like, artists in the modern day. Uh, like, Jesper Acing or Jesper Acing. He does a lot of artwork for Magic the Gathering. He does these beautiful gouache paintings that are just, like, fantastic, and they have so much life to them. Uh, Victor Maury, he's lead splash artist for League of Legends for however many years, and now he's the art director or like, one of the art leads for uh, their TV series, Arcane. Um, Mike Azevedo is one of my all-time favorites. He owns this uh, outsourcing studio called MAR Studios, where he has these super, super cool like illustrations that he does for all sorts of clients. A lot of the time, like for Riot Games, like the people that do League of Legends and stuff, his studio outsources too. He's got this really nice, like expressive painting style where you can see the strokes, but when you look at it from a thumbnail, it looks incredibly tight. Like it looks like a, like almost like real. But it's just like once you scrutinize it, it does the same thing that like a John Singer Sargent painting does, where it catches life by not trying to be too tight. Like they're fast paintings. And I really, really love that about his art and like his studio and all that. Cool. Um, as like more like traditional guys, like even farther back, I think Caravaggio is one of the best painters ever. Mm -hmm. He has incredible sense of light. Same thing with Rembrandt. I mean, there's a whole lighting setup that was named after Rembrandt, like Rembrandt lighting, where you end up having a triangle of light on the cheek that's in shadow. He invented that pretty much. And Caravaggio was one of the first people to use like a makeshift, like a sort of like camera system where he funneled light in from a certain direction instead of like using like a window light or a candlelight he actually have like a like a little like sort of lens that he like puncture through like a sheet or something to make light come through how cool is that yeah i love them yeah. i love um especially rembrandt i just I, when you see a rembrandt in on a television screen you can't really understand it but when you see it in a museum it's like oh there's nothing like it. It's just, it's a virtuoso. I mean, that's why he's, you know, he's still a master. But it's just, Absolutely, just yeah. so amazing to see the artwork in person. It's just, you know, like, yeah. Monet, like my favorite, one of my favorite artists is Monet. I just love to see his work in person. It's just, you, you, you as you step close, it's like, you don't even see anything. It's it, and then you step one little step back, and you can see all of what you. It's just like a miracle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I have a really similar experience with John Singer Sargent. I love John Singer Sargent so much. He does these uh, portraits. I don't know. Have you ever seen a John Singer Sargent? Thing? Yes, I have, and they're gorgeous. Have you seen one in person? Yes. They're fantastic. I saw one of his drawings when I was up in North Carolina, like visiting uh, this old uh, cabin that my girlfriend used to stay.
stay at when she was a kid. We go there every year just about just to visit and get a lay of the land. We went to, I think Boone was the town or no, it was Blowing Rock. And they had this fantastic art museum and like you turn a corner and like straight in the middle of the room, you see a John Singer Sargent drawing and it's like, it pops. It looks like better than life. Like you look at it and it looks alive. Like it's so, so special to see in person. Like I've seen his art a million times online and I've loved it, but seeing it in person, is like a whole nother experience. It was like, I got to see, like Moses in real life or something. I know. I, I, I understand completely. I'm not an artist. I mean, I don't, I, I can't even draw a straight line, but I love art. I have a great admiration for artists and art. When you see an artist work in person, it it's like seeing a movie star in person, you know? It just, it's, you can't actually compare it to seeing it online or in a film or something like that. You just it um I saw Sargent at the LA Museum of Art. I mean not him, I mean his art. <laughs> but but I, I um they had a they had a display of his work. Um it, it's very compelling. I understand why he's your favorite. <laughs> Did you remember what piece you ended up seeing? God. No. Um I was it was a long I was in college. Um this was a long long time ago. <laughs> But I did, I mean, I've seen it, I've seen him in other places since. I mean, I saw him, I've seen him here in San Diego, too. But to be honest, unless I have the, the my diary, which I write down all the things I copy, I, 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 I take pictures of the description, <laughs> and then I, when I get home, I write down in my diary everything I saw. <laughs> I'm so weird. <laughs> Because I can't remember. I don't. I mean, it's like I I remember I remember the visual impact. I remember the beauty of it. I remember really looking at the structure. I mean, things like that. I remember the name of it. I never remember. It's like when I was a kid and I went to school. My parents would ask, "So did you make any friends?" Yes. What was their name? I don't know. <laughs> I would sooner or later remember their name, but I mean, yeah, I just I memory like a sieve. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I love art, so I mean, I completely understand. And you're lucky because you can do it. <laughs> yeah, to a point. The artists will tell you that they 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 don't know how to paint or they don't know how to do this because it's like sure we know how to paint relative to uh to like other people or to lower tier or like you know like artists that are just starting out but when you look at like old masters you look at them and you think that they're right next to you and you say I don't know how to paint because I don't paint like this guy. Like, if I looked at, like, Edward Von Grutzner and he was, like, standing next to me, I'd be like, I don't know how to paint. 
and I just pretend that these people are always next to me. So no matter what, it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not quite these people yet. So I can't say for sure that I know how to paint. I saw this really interesting documentary on Da Vinci, and the thing about Da Vinci is everything he did was part of his exploration. He didn't have what they call a classical education. His education was nature and the natural world. And he was put down by a lot of artists because he didn't have Greek and Roman education. Um, but everything he did, all his work as an artist, all his work as a scientist, all his work as an inventor, it was all for his own self-education. I found that really interesting. The way a hand is drawn is because he wanted to understand the structure of a hand. So he, he and he wanted to understand biology, and he wanted to understand what makes a woman face beautiful. That's why it took him 20 years, and and he still didn't consider the um, um, Mona Lisa complete, even when it, he never he just carried it with him wherever he went and worked on it because he never thought he got the complete structure of her face the way a regular woman's face is. And I mean, it's really fascinating. It was uh, all his amazing inventions, like helicopters and tanks and stuff like that. It was more like, I wonder if I did this, what would happen? It wasn't like, oh, I want to be the greatest inventor in the world. It was more like, I wonder if I, because he used to have mechanical moving things that he used to entertain royalty. That's one of his things was that he would have like, uh, like, um, like like a like a little dog would walk in. It would be his mechanical dog to walk in and entertain his person who was paying for him to work on it, whatever he was there for, commissioned him. And so that was part of his entertainment of his employer. I it, and and sometimes he used like the tanks. That was how he got employed. Uh, he said he 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 made uh, war machines in order to um, get employment from I think it was the King of France uh, when he moved there as an old man. He said, "Oh, I I have all this stuff." So the helicopter and the tank was part of his thing to get his job to work for the King of France, so he'd have a comfortable retirement. I mean, it's it's nothing. He, he, it's not like he was like, I am the greatest artist in the world. No, I am the guy who's trying to figure life out. It's very interesting. It's not what you expect. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, that's a great way to think of it as an artist because if you're constantly trying to be better than everyone else, then you just kind of end up constantly feeling inadequate because you're never going to be better than everybody else. So yeah, that's a great way to think of it. And you know, he never considered himself an artist. He always considered himself an engineer. So he didn't even label himself as an artist. Yeah. Even though he was a fantastic artist. Yeah, I mean, I mean, some of the most beautiful paintings ever. 
I think they just found a um, a painting that was mismarked uh, of his in um, in Italy that was marked to some another artist, and they and from research they found out it actually was a Da Vinci. I think that was like two or three years ago, um, but he's just—he's one of. I have always been fascinated by him because he did so many different things. He was really a Renaissance man during the Renaissance, and you can't really say that about that many people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, back in the day, artists were considered physical laborers. Like they were usually like kind of riffraff, or they're considered riffraff unless they were very, very prestigious. Which is weird. They really, it's weird to think of artists like that, right? Yeah, because we don't we 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 they've moved to a different level in society. But yeah, I can understand. Actors were thought of the scum of the earth, including Shakespeare. Um, he was just, uh, you know, just the uh, the reason, because he had Queen Elizabeth's patronage, that's why he moved up and he started getting paid well and stuff like that. But before that, you know, he was just another actor-manager, you know. Actor-managers were just a little step above an actor, and an actor is just a little step above a beggar. Um, yeah. It's kind of really disgusting to think about the way people treat other people, but that's the way it was. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, artists, actors, writers. I mean, and and even and you can forward to modern society. Writers are not. I'm not talking about authors of books. I'm talking about like screenwriters. People will talk about a movie about who's in it, who did the costumes, who directed it. A lot of time they don't mention who wrote it, and without the word, there is no movie. Yeah, yeah. And it's that's now, that's today. I mean, you, um, uh, I did an interview with a, a screenwriter, and he was saying he was in a movie group, and they were talking about the greatest movies. And why they, who was, uh, why it was the greatest movies? And he goes, and this was a writers group, and they uh, never mentioned who wrote the films that they said were the greatest films. And this was a writers group. Uh, it doesn't, but it's like you're the creative person who started the spark. You're the one who, if there wasn't for you, there wouldn't be a movie, and yet you're ignored. Yeah. So they they still do it today. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It is. An artist is an artist. It doesn't matter what kind of an artist it is. You should have respect for all artists. <laughs> exactly. I just think it's sort of sad. Um, speaking of recognition... First of all, congratulations for winning the Illustrators of the Future contest. Thank you, thank you. I'm super, super excited. What did What happened when you got the phone call? Were you just like stunned? 
Yeah, I just, I'd had no clue because I'd applied multiple quarters before and, you know, I'd gotten semi-finalist or, you know, sometimes even less. But then, you know, I ended up eventually getting the call one day, I think after my fourth or fifth quarter entering. And it was out of nowhere. I didn't even expect it to, you know, to come. I saw a random number and I was thinking about answering it and like saying something funny because I thought it was going to be like a, like a, one of those telemarketers that like yeah. kind of yanked their chains a little bit. But then I heard that it was Joni and I was very glad that I didn't try it. <laughs> <laughs> you would have felt bad. <laughs> But yeah, it was fantastic to hear. I was actually just coming back from the beach with my girlfriend. Not to actually, like, visit the beach. It's, like, just to hang out. But we went to see a storm that was coming to the beach. We were, like, we were really looking forward to this storm because it would be so cool to see. You know, the beach ends up getting empty, and then it gets, like, all gray, and it's a little spooky, and all the birds come in. So we went to go check out the storm, but never came. But, you know, something positive came out after that, that amazing phone call. So the phone call was the sun coming out tomorrow. I had to do it. <laughs> little reference to the song. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, so you went to the um, workshops. Uh, was there anybody – who was the uh, lecture – that was the most impressive to you? Hmm. The most impressive? It's hard to say because they're all the most impressive in their own ways. I think Echo might be one of the most impressive entrepreneurs. I think Larry had one of the most impressive stories of how he came about. I think Tom was one of the most impressive workers just because of how much he does and how, like, prolific the guy is and how he's moved between so many different industries and I think Max was the most impressive in terms of her breadth of knowledge when it comes to uh, the games industry so they all they all were impressive in their own ways so I, I don't think I could pin anyone down as the most impressive because they all really really were unique impressive people did any of the any of those um, lectures sort of spark an interest that you didn't have before? Um, not necessarily. I think actually uh, Larry and Tom's talk kind of pushed me away from 2D art because, yeah, I'm a 3D artist by trade. I work as a 3D modeler. I now have two jobs as a 3D modeler, and I may be taking a third one soon. But <laughs> we'll see how my time dictates that. But, yeah, just hearing their stories, it seemed like, hmm, I like working a lot, but, you know, I can find my niche and try and push into something that hasn't really been explored a whole lot. Like, I want to be very good at something that's fresh. And I saw, like, sculpting as a huge opportunity. And hearing these guys talk about, like, illustration and painting and what was going on in that industry kind of pushed me on to do something newer and max also she was a 3d artist so she kind of helped push me in that direction as well okay. and uh beyond the talks like actually getting to speak with them one-on-one -on -one, uh furthered that you know desire to be a 3d artist uh tom 
Blair or Tom and Echo in particular, uh, and also Max offered me like positions, like uh, potential work. So I was like, yeah, this is definitely the right way to go. Cool, that's great. Um, what story did you end up illustrating? Oh, I ended up illustrating Agatha's monster. And and did she like it? Oh, she loved it. She was so, so happy. She came up and hugged me, and she was bouncing all over the place. She was so excited. I was just such a, a sweet woman. She really cares about her family, and she's super passionate about her her uh, her work. So it was awesome to see how grateful she was and how excited she was to see her story uh, did she, illustrated. Did she go right to it? Did she recognize because I know yep. they walk into a room full of illustrations and they have to figure out who's their illustrator. Did she Did she know it was you? I mean, that you were hers right away? Absolutely, yeah. She was the first one to find her print. She was the first person to find the print, and she immediately sniffed it out. She saw the giant furry monster, and she was like, yep, this is the one. That's cool. That is really cool. And what's the name of her story? Agatha's Monster. Oh, it is called Agatha's Okay, that tells me. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, and could, uh, for the people listening, could you, uh, do you know what the full name of the book that you're in is? Yeah, it's um, L. Ron Hubbard Presents Writers and Illustrators of the Future, Volume 38. I think that's the whole thing. That's I think cool. I got it. You got it. That's good. And 38, my God, time flies. <laughs> that's 38 years of competition. That's cool. crazy. It's, yeah, it is really crazy. Cool, though. Um, And um, so we're coming to the end. Um, do you have any uh, commissions that or art that are coming out that in whatever form that you'd like people to know about and see? Yeah, I mean, I have a project that I'm currently working on. I wish I could tell you guys about it, but it's a it's an under a dang NDA, so I can't quite say it. But uh, you'll probably see it when it comes out. It'll reach a lot of people. Um, it'll be fun. I have a game that's coming out that I'm working on with my team, and then I also have some very, very interesting uh, statues, some sculptures of uh, clown heads that are going to be coming eventually. <laughs> cool. And um, are you? do you have a website, and what social uh, media are you on? Yeah, I have a, a website. My main website where I host my portfolio is ArtStation, so you can find it at Zane L., dot artstation.com so that's z-a-i-n-e-l dot a-r-t-s-t-a-t-i-o-n dot com and uh, what social media are you on and what's your name on the social media so they could find you oh uh, I use my Instagram somewhat uh I need to be more free. I need to post more frequently on Instagram, but it's going to be at Zane A L Art, all one word. So it's going to be Z A I N E A L 
uh, are you on Twitter or Facebook or anything else? Or, or pic- um, Pinterest? I don't really touch too much else other than that. Uh, I don't I don't go on Twitter because usually Twitter is a little too rowdy for me. I just like to post my art. I don't want to like hear all the craziness going on in the world. I'm just gonna stick in my bubble for now. Yeah, I I've been I, I've been pretty uh, feeling that way too. I just I just put my interviews up and or any stories I'm working on up and. I, keep my nose clean <laughs> yeah I'd much rather love life than be on Twitter seeing all all the terrible things happening in the world I can understand that um, well I want to thank you Zane for taking time out of your day to chat with me well thank you so much for hosting this wonderful show and taking your time out of your day to chat with me as well thank you And thank you for chatting with Sherry.